Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for free. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com slash busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, Tommy Dreamer and I, that's right, the innovator of violence, the landlord of House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer, that one. We talk about Impact Wrestling from last night and the quote-unquote retirement speech by Rich Swan, which was interrupted by a returning TNA legend. Also, we talk to Armando Estrada about some of the experience of his, of his career and also some experiences as a fan and then we talk to somebody who has the only female action figure in all of AEW. Brandy Rhodes joins us. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. I know he's been on this show before, but never with me. For some reason, when he comes on the show, he always does it when LaGreca is not on the air. And that is the one and only Armando Estrada. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing better than most, but uh, thank you for having me, guys. Good to uh, actually, this is the first time that we have seen each other That's live right. and in color. And Tommy, how are you? I love you. I miss you. Hope you're doing great. You look fabulous, bro. I love these Zoom meetings. You look really good. You're yeah. way better than when you were an active competitor. I know. I'm rested. I'm not on the road. I'm spending time with my family. I'm in my own bed. Life is good. Absolutely. All right. So let me ask you, talk about like, and we're going to get into your career. We're going to get into, you know, life after, after wrestling, but what is it like for you right now? Kind of just being a fan of pro wrestling. You know, um, those that know my story know that I'm a lifelong fan dreamer. And I, you know, we, we nerd out when we were, when we were on the road together and talking about the glory days and back in my day, but growing up as a fan in the Hulkamania era and, you know, Dreamer had gotten in the business probably a decade before I did, maybe a, maybe 15 years before me. But coming up and watching the Attitude Era and gravitating towards these larger-than-life personas, the Hogans, the Savages, the Warriors, Rock, Austin, Flair, Dusty, all of these guys, is, those guys are what brought me into fandom and I'm at a different point in my life today with regards to my fandom. While I still very much watch as much as I can, I can't say I'm as invested 
today as I was in my fandom years before I got into the business. Uh, Armando, man, you, you DM me a couple, I don't know how long ago it was about you being a fan in Chicago and I'm in ECW and you said, I totally uh, kayfabed you slash lied to you, but uh, you were there. I showed up, I was filming a TV show and I told you I was filming a TV show, but were you there in that same hotel where uh, basically a fan was put through the window that day? Yes. <laughs> well, let's yes. tell that lovely fan experience story, please. So this is back in the early, I got, I want to say two, maybe 2000 and uh, no, it was 90, WWE 90, 99, 99. Okay. 99 WWE had just done a show here in the all state arena, formerly the Rosemont horizon, the greatest wrestling building in the world. I will stand by that. I also debuted there. Ha <laughs> ha. And uh, we're in the bar after, well, <laughs> the talent is in the bar of the, I think it was the Rosemont Suites and Tommy Dreamer of ECW fame is in the bar with the WWE roster. And I'm like, oh, Tommy must be here for a tryout or something or another. And I said, hey, Tommy, what brings you to town? And Tommy's like, oh, I'm here shooting a movie. And I'm like, whatever, like big dog me. Um, turns out that was true, but I don't find that out until 20 years later after dreamer sends me a screenshot of him in the background of the movie or TV show that he shot that week in Chicago. So, uh, I wasn't there for the direct altercation. I was outside, but I heard that a fan got into it with Mark Henry or Bubba or both. And the fan ended up getting thrown through a door or a window or a bar or all of the above. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it was bully. It was Mark. It was myself pre busted open. And <laughs> yeah. like, literally like here comes like a little bit of an ECW reunion and a fan mouthed off and something. And then we basically was escorted out of the, the bar via the window. And, uh, it was, it was a fun day. It was a good day. And I can never remember the name of the damn show. Early edition. That's what I was shooting. Early edition uh, where the guy got the newspaper. I was on the front cover of friggin' TV Guide and you kayfabe that I'm lying to you. Come on now. I don't remember oh, that. annoying part. Mark. How old are you, by the way, in 99? Twenty-two. <laughs> uh, Weirdo. <laughs> I started late. I'm like DDP. I got in the biz a little bit later. Yeah, I know. Because who hired you? Oh, okay. You know what? Here, let's just clear the let's just clear the air. All right. I've done countless interviews over the years. Okay, <laughs> phone, ra- whatever, and I've always put over the guys that have helped me get into WWE and make it in the business. And I've always given credit to my trainer, Rip Rogers, and Al Snow, and Danny Davis, and Jim Cornette, and Paul Heyman. And I've always left out the one and only Tommy Dreamer. So let me. Take this moment on Busted Open on August the 5th of 2020, pandemic year, 10.05 Eastern time for me to say, Tommy Dreamer, thank you for helping me get into the WWE and get where I got. You're welcome. I still don't know what you Does that suffice? Does that suffice? 
just want to thank. I didn't ask for 10%. I didn't go old school wrestler or promoter, ask for your 10%. Hell, Ricky Steamboat still paying Vern Gagne his 10%. <laughs> Armando, you mentioned about Chicago, and this is a show that we're going to do at a later time about greatest wrestling venues. And, you know, being somebody that was you know, a fan in that area and then making your debut. I mean, what was that like for you? Cause I'm, I'm sure the Rosemont horizon to you is like how some people look at a Madison square garden. Yeah. You know, the horizon or the all state arena, as we know it today, that's, that's where I grew up going to the show, going, going to shows, you know, when I was a kid and, and whatnot. So I've sat in that arena countless times, right on the other side of the barricade. And, uh, you know, did, to debut not only in my hometown, but on live raw the day after WrestleMania, the most anticipated show of the year, completely cold, no vignettes, no, no, nothing, no buildup. And then on top of that to come out and interrupt the greatest of all time, nature boy, Ric Flair, and to have roughly, I don't know, an eight minute speaking segment with him was, you know, mind blowing to put it, lightly. I also had bronchitis uh, and an ear infection that day. So my voice was completely shot by the time I walked out live. And I was so worried about the WWE audio picking up what I was saying, because I was used to the shitty audio that we had in developmental, which actually wasn't even audio. Paul Heyman would give me a mic that wasn't live. And I would pretend to be talking into a, a non-working microphone. So I was, if you go back and watch, I was screaming at the top of my lungs in that microphone just to make sure the uh, audio got me. I didn't realize the WWE was a multi-million production at that point. That's amazing. Yeah, they weren't, they didn't have that OVW uh, (laughs) capabilities. They're a little, a little more high tech. That is a great story. I totally forgot that you debuted in your hometown. That's, you know, honestly, when they say like dreams come true, literally that's a dream come true on your first day. Like that's awesome. So when you think yeah, of fan experiences, was- oh, I'm sorry, Amanda, but when you think of fan experiences, because you know, that's been the topic that we've been talking about on the show this morning. Uh, do you have any for yourself as a fan? Like you mentioned that you kind of grew up in the Hulkamania era. Is there any shows or any matches or any interactions that stand out in your mind? So I grew up, I'm one of six kids, Dave. My dad worked three jobs just to keep the lights on. We didn't have the budget to be able to go to these shows. So I will share, I will share a story about fans and and how uh, bought in I was. So as a kid in the eighties, I would work with my dad on the weekends, every Saturday and Sunday. And as you know, that's when uh, WWE, WWF superstars was on WWE challenge Saturday and Sunday mornings here in the Chicago area. Well, I was at work with my dad for 12 to 14 hours a, a day on the weekends. Right. Uh, we didn't have a VCR, but I had a tape recorder and this is a true story for about a year. I would have my sister take the tape recorder, record, uh, set it up next to the speaker of the TV and, and record the audio of superstars and wrestling challenge. And when I would come home from work late at night as, at a, as a 10 year old kid, I would play the audio and hear Vince and Bobby or gorilla and Jesse. And I would just close my eyes and listen to the play by play and the color 
and not have any idea what was actually, I, I couldn't see what was happening, but I could in my head through their, you know, through their storytelling. And I would do this for about a year. And then we got a VCR and I was the happiest kid in the world after that. Then I could actually tape stuff. Wow. That's awesome story. And those man. tapes exist somewhere. Um, I gotta, I'd love to find them. I'd love to find that audio from, you know, 30 some odd years ago. And they would you know, totally trigger that memory for you too. That's awesome story. I'm glad I, um, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that one. I love that one. Yeah. That is fantastic. You, I remember, go ahead, please. So this is a story when I was in high school and WWE brought SummerSlam to the United Center. It was the first ever uh, event at the United Center, 1994. It was Brett versus Owen in the steel cage. And it was Undertaker versus Underfaker. Okay. I bought tickets to this show months in advance and it was on, believe it or not. It was on a Monday night in 1994, SummerSlam. Go look it up. And uh, it was also the first day of my football. It was the first day of school, which was also the first week of uh, full contact football practice. We had our first game that week on Friday. So on this Monday, we have no transportation. The buddy that I'm going with calls a limo to take us to the fricking United center. Okay. 17 year old kids with no money, but somehow we got a limo. So the limo was pulling up at the time that practice was starting. I went into the coach's office and I said, coach, I'm not going to be able to practice today. Uh, I'm going to, to a wrestling event and I bought tickets several months ago. I really want to go. My coach looks at me and says, well, Ali, Ali gimmick, you know, government last name. He says, well, Ali, you've got a choice to make. You can, you know, you can go to your show, but you'll have to sit out the first game. I won't let you suit up or, or you could do the right thing and get your gear on and go out there and be with your teammates. And Dave, Tommy, it took me half a second and I'm like, all right, coach, I guess I'll see you tomorrow. And I exited the locker room. I walk out past my foot, my teammates that are all putting on their gear and they're, they're, they're putting on their, their spikes. And I got in the limo and I went to SummerSlam and I sat in the 30th row of the upper deck and I will never regret that decision. I played exactly zero downs my senior year. And I largely attribute the fact that, um, my coach did not like that. I basically dismissed what he wanted me to do. Priorities, guess, Tommy. But that's, that's besides the point. <laughs> Screw him. Screw and, uh, him. You know, looking at you and, you know, I, we always think of Eki Umaga, uh, a fan experience of a different type, but it was just an experience of, I guess, brethren when we were all at a Hooters and we're leaving. And it was me and Edge, you, uh, Umaga, Kozlov, Shelton, a couple other boys, and a guy. Cardona. Takes uh, beer bottles and throws it and hits our car. And I think it was uh, Umaga or your car. And he screams out the N-word at us. And we all get in the car. We're all running. Half of us are running down the street to get this guy because he hits the light. He makes the right. He goes down and then he winds up crashing his car. We all start laughing. Like, we're all ready to fight for each other. Uh, 
because like, you know, he used this horrible racist term at each other. We're all like blown up because we ran and like you, Umaga, and like you guys like, like we had that moment, like you're like, well, I'm not black. And uh, (laughs) Umaga's like, well, so before that, Tommy, no, before that, before that. So we get to the gas station. This, these guys are in their car and I just couldn't believe that they were messing with, you know, Adam edge is arguably one of the nicest guys you'll, you'll ever meet. And they're messing with Adam and I'm just livid. And I've got, I've got the Russian with me in my car. I've got Vladimir Kozlov. So we finally get to the gas station. We're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'll never forget that. I get out of the car and don't ask me why, but I was a little on edge back then. No pun, no pun intended. I take my shirt off and I charge towards these guys and they revert. They don't drive off. They reverse. And as they're reversing, one of them sticks his head out the window. And I, I swear, I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, our grandfathers used to hang your grandfathers. And I just stopped and I'm like, maybe I should lay off the tanning bed. Yeah, we were all but ready I'll, to I'll just murder <laughs> these people. Yeah. Like that one I'll, I'll, moment uh, where we just like, everyone was like looking around and like, we were like, we just wanted to kill people. And then we realized we were just like, <laughs> yeah, uh, Shelton, we're, we're sorry. We're fighting for like, you know, it was just like this one yeah. camaraderie of like these racist assholes. But it was just this one moment we were all ready to die. Then we realized like, who is he talking to? Like. Because yeah. it was just this weirdest thing, and yeah, yeah, he was talking to the to the brown brownish guy. Um, I do have another uh, fan interaction which happened uh, in Mexico, Tommy. I don't know if you were at this tour. It was a SmackDown ECW tour in uh, Mexico tour shortly before the Battle of the Billionaires in two thousand and seven. And uh, Umaga used to do this thing on his entrance where he would walk around the ring on house shows and he would just snarl and look mean at, at the fans. And sometimes he would grab a chair and he would act as if he was going to smash the fan in the head with the chair. And I would come up from behind and grab the chair to stop him from assaulting the fan and getting fired and going to jail. Well, one day in Mexico, we're doing this little act, this pre-match act, and Umaga goes to hit to swing the chair, and the chair slips, and he hits the fan in the front row in the head. And instantly, we're like, oh my God, we're fired. We're fired. We're not going to WrestleMania. We're not going home. We're not collecting $200, whatever. And Umaga and I kind of look at each other like, oh, what, what are we going to do, man? Like, oh, we effed up, you know? And I look at the fan and he jumps up and he's like, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, are you okay, amigo? Okay. Let's, and I tell Jimmy Tillis or whoever was security at the time, I'm like, throw, bring them some merchandise. Just make sure they're all right. No lawsuits. So that was a close call. Yeah. We used to settle things back in the day. Get some (laughs) t-shirts. Sorry. We hit you in the head with a chair. Yeah. A free T-shirt would always make everything okay. Um, 
You know, Armando, you're, you know, speaking of shirts right now, as you're talking to us, you have a, a Shad Gaspard shirt on. Um, yeah. I, I, know, I, I know you uh, were – that's somebody that you definitely had a relationship with, and I know you were hit hard by his passing, an heroic passing, but nonetheless a passing. Uh, what are – you know, please, with our audience, share uh, some thoughts and some memories of Shad Gaspard. So, you know, Shad, well, Shad and I started in OVW around the same time. He, he showed up a little bit before me. And actually, my very first meeting with him, I was renting an apartment where all the boys would stay, you know, in Louisville, Kentucky. It was like the designated, there was like two or three apartment complexes that everybody stayed at. And I remember leaving the leasing office and jumping into the vehicle um, to probably drive back to Chicago to get my belongings. And I see this gigantic black man walk up to my little Honda Accord. And he says, yo, you're at OVW, right? And I guess he must've seen me earlier that day. And I said, yeah. And he gets in my car and says, drive me, you know, to wherever he was going. And that's how I met Chad Gaspard. He forced me to be his Uber driver on day one. <laughs> Um, but that's, that's who he was. You know, um, Chad was a very gigantic heart. I mean, his, his, he was just a great, he was a great dude. Uh, he was one of the boys he'd always go to bat, you know, for you. He got me a job before dreamer got me a job. Actually, uh, Chad got me a job working at one of the bars down in, downtown Louisville when I was just, I needed money to, you know, to pay for, I needed to pay Danny Davis, my tuition. Right. And, uh, Chad got me a job and, and really hooked me up. And there might've been a few times that I'd be doing a, a house show in, uh, Eaton town or Hodgenville, Kentucky. And Chad Gaspard would clock me in and I would show up three hours later just so that I could make that house show. Cause, um, you know, you need, you needed to work, but you also needed to, to go and, and, and try to do as many shows as you could to get the practice. So he was a great dude. I've got so many stories of him. Um, I don't know how much time I have. I can, I can get into a couple of them where I've seen uh, vehicles get totaled uh, with him in, in them. Uh, I've seen uh, we've ran out of gas on the side of the road and Chad Gaspard blamed me, even though he was driving when the car ran out of gas. Uh, <laughs> But he, he was a great dude, and my heart goes out to his uh, wife and, and his son, and uh, he'll, he'll always be remembered. And for the listeners, you know, got, there was a lot of talent, and they, they still do it. They would move down to Kentucky because they knew that it was a developmental system, but they would pay their own way to be there because they weren't signed like Armando did. And there was like a beginner class, and if the guys or girls excelled, then, you know, they would be get pushed for, you know, to try to get hired. And with Shad, Shad worked and he was like the head bouncer at this club. And a lot of the talent that were unsigned would all work at specific nightclubs so they can pay their bills. And just, you know, in an awesome thing that you just said, uh, you weren't working, but you were technically clocked in because if you lost your job, you lost your money, you'd have to, there's a lot of guys who'd have to move back home because they couldn't afford it. But uh, it all worked out in the end, uh, which is uh, really, really cool. Yeah. Armando, for you, and thanks so much for the time. This was a lot of fun having you on. And don't be a stranger because we definitely want to have you on again, and we appreciate it. Uh, do you have one memory, 
you know, with you in the WWE, like one memory that stands out for you, what, like a crowning achievement for your career? Wow. Uh, I never really thought about that, Dave, but, uh, you know, I'll say it's a toss up between, uh, being a part of the main event of WrestleMania in my very first year. Uh, and while I was not in the ring as a wrestler at that time, I believe that I was a strong part of the act of the Umaga, uh, Armando Estrada act. And if it wasn't for my shenanigans and my managerial duties and everything that I did to get over, I don't know if we are in that main event position. Um, I also, you know, just, just the whole undefeated streak and the booking of Umaga from the get go as an unstoppable monster running through all, all the baby faces, including triple H, including Shawn Michaels, including Kane, eventually getting to John Cena uh, and John Cena being, you know, the first guy to slay the dragon. But I, I've got so many memories just from, you know, believe it or not, house shows. I enjoyed a lot of the work I did on non-televised events, probably more so than TV. Um, but if I had to pick one that people saw, I would say go watch the Unforgiven pay-per-view in September of 2006. It was Umaga versus Kane. It was their first televised meeting. I cut a lengthy promo, which I got heat for afterwards. Um, and I can get into why I got heat for that, but I loved that promo. The audience was 100% with us as far as all the catchphrases. And I saw fans in the audience, Dave, this is what really told me I, I've made it. I saw fans in that crowd that had written out my entire catchphrase word for word on all of these signs and had them in the audience. And it reminded me of when I would go to the live events in Allstate Arena, and I would see fans with the road dog Jesse James catchphrase written out and 10 people, you know, to me, that was a guy who was mega over. And to fast forward eight years, and people are doing that for me. So um, that was one of my, one of my fondest memories is uh, being able to perform in Canada, I always, I've always had an affinity for the Canadian audience. They're very passionate, much like the garden, you know, much like Philly, much like Chicago. And, uh, they made me feel as if I had truly made it. And I was at the height of my career. Why, why did you get heat? Oh, really? I'm sorry, Tom, but really quick. Why did you get heat for that promo? So the, the, the verbiage prior, you know, as you know, there's, there's writers and things change pretty frequently. So, the verbiage that Tommy, why the hell are you eating while I'm talking? It's so rude. Anyway, um, <laughs> the verbiage, I could see it. The verbiage <laughs> had changed several times prior to me going out. And by the time they gave me the fifth version, it was like, I had less than 10 minutes to get all this verbiage down. And needless to say, I had some memorized from here, here, some shit I thought was terrible. And I'm like, I'm not saying that. So I went out and caught what I felt was the best version of all those promos they gave me. But I think I went a little bit long as a result. And um, afterwards, Freebird, Michael Hayes, pulled me aside and said, you know, I know you have the audience with you. 
but the same things that got you to the dance will get you sent back to developmental. And I, and I didn't understand that at the time, you know, I'm like, well, I'm just going out here doing the best job that I can. Like, why am I going to be punished for that? And, you know, I, I started to understand that later on in my career as to, you can't be the main event. You can't cut the main event promo if you're in the fourth or fifth match. Hey, everyone. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Let's talk about the experience from Impact from Impact Wrestling last night. Rich Swan, you know, giving his retirement speech at the end of that show, heartfelt because Rich Swan has definitely gone through a lot of injuries over the last couple of years, interrupted by one Eric Young. One hell of a way to end Impact Wrestling last night, Tommy. Yeah, a lot of the show is about, uh, you know, furthering storylines. Eddie Edwards is on his quest to defend the title each and every week. Um, you know, Rich Swan suffered what should have been a career-ending injury in the sense of when it happened to him, they said the only thing that kept his bone from not, like, pulling a SID uh, was literally um, the skin, his skin held wow. his bone in and he had to get plates. He had to hold off the surgery because of COVID as well. So he was going through rehab. There was a lot of bad and an in pain that he was going through. And, you know, he basically then had to rehab himself. He had the surgery finally, but it was, I think there was like three weeks where he couldn't have surgery because they weren't doing surgeries if they weren't life-threatening. So he had to wait three weeks for this surgery, basically just had to have his leg, you know, which was severely broken, uh, and his ankle and all that stuff. And he got the surgery. He had it. That now there's no place to rehab. So he's doing rehab from home. I don't know what he's doing, but he's ahead of schedule. And when you talk about, you know, I remember when John Cena came back from at the Royal Rumble for his surgery, this is pretty much the same thing. John had a torn pec, but I mean, this is his leg. And I think it's his ankle. And between his ankle and I mean, dude, they were like total reconstructive surgery on his knee. They just he just missed something. It was really, really bad. So he comes back unannounced. And that wasn't again the original plan, but because, you know, there's no more Tessa Blanchard, and you know, we wanted to give the most bang for the buck. Straight up asked him, and he was like, hey, I could come back. And he had an amazing performance in that match, his first match back. And you think about that. His first match back in almost 10 months is for the title at Slammiversary. And then he got it clipped again. It got injured. He went to the doctor and basically said, listen, man, this isn't going to hold. If you continue to wrestle, kind of like when you talk about Edge, like Edge had... Uh, the stenosis and like you could take a bad bump and you're done. You're going to be in a wheelchair. Same with Rich Swan. If anything happens and when you're talking about legs or movements, lateral or, or forward or stopping or flipping, even just taking a bump wrong, 
they said, could you're not going to, you're no longer going to live a normal life. Uh, you have all these things holding your leg together and wrestling is not conducive to this, keeping this leg together. So you can live a normal life, but if you decide to go back to wrestle, you know, you could be screwed. And do you want your bone to pop out on wrestling again? Or all this stability in your leg is not there because of the actions you do in the ring. So he literally had to say goodbye, cut down in his prime uh, to the business, which really, really sucks because Rich Swan is such a talented person. And, you know, Eric's young came, picked his spot, which was just kind of like the icing on the cake. Uh, I give credit to Rich Swan for going out on his sword and making Eric Young even more of a, a dick. But, you know, Eric Young's got a lot to prove because he's another guy who feels he was held back, and he was, and he was an amazing interview here on Busted Open. So, uh, again, it really, really sucks with Rich Swan, who's a young, talented individual. And trust me, man, there was his performance that he had against John Morrison way back was like where everyone noticed they're like Rich Swan could be heavyweight champion of this company or of any company. Cause he's that talented and for his career to get cut short and it sucked because it was, it was like, it wasn't on a house show. It was on a, it was a, a simple spot and someone gave him a, like a curb stomp, not a curb. They, uh, where they jump off the second rope onto his back and that weight mm. of that extra person almost popped out his entire leg on television. It was one of those uh, impact app shows. He was able to continue the match, but it just sucks because he did a lot of rehab on his own. And that's the hard, like the, the shittiest part about this. Like, cause he couldn't go to rehab. He couldn't do so many things and then to come back. But I also don't think uh, he was listening to doctors and then to realize that, Hey, you know, you, you need to listen to doctors because you know, there is life after wrestling. So uh, I hope, uh, it sucks. And I hope maybe we could find something for him when he gets back. Uh, I mean, I don't know about, he's a great promo. Maybe he could do commentary because I think he's a great asset to the wrestling industry. You know what, Tommy, he is. And, but you mentioned the other side of that, which is Eric Young and Eric Young, you know, you and bully did a great job interviewing him a couple of weeks ago. And now he's part of impact wrestling and part of that roster. And you know what, for him, that was his kind of, chance to grab the spotlight and make a mark with impact and and unfortunately rich swan was the victim but he was able to do that in a big way last night yeah you know dave there's so many guys and girls out there who are looking to shove it up the wwe's ass and they want to show the wwe that and, and i like the fact that they have a chip on their shoulder that we should not have been let go and we have a lot more to offer the wrestling business. I was one of those people in 2009. And, you know, you look at, for AEW, you have Matt, Matt Cardona, you know, formerly Zack Ryder. Uh, he's got something to prove. He was a guy who's been on the shelf for a long, long time. And Impact, able to seize the day on, you know, Deanna Perrazzo. Brian Myers will be making his debut. I Last night, Heath, uh, can't say his last name. Well, you can, but... Heath had his first match, like real match and how long. And I was blown away of how good he was because I haven't seen that because normally you go and you watch it and you're like, oh, you know, here's Heath and he's done in two minutes. But he went out there and had one hell of a match. And it's like, oh, crap. You forget that this guy can still wrestle. 
and the machine uh the machine guns coming back and, and gallows and anderson and, and there's a lot of talent out there and, and you know uh, maybe brandy's part of a big announcement is another talent sign but there's a lot of talent out there that they want to continue to go out there and prove that they have value not only to themselves but to the fans watching at home and that's also been a big part of impact clicking on all cylinders and just people, you know, letting it trend, all that stuff is because people do see the talent in those people and want have been rooting for them. You know, Tommy, what a shame, you know, going back to something you just said, and that's about Heath. Like you forgot how great Heath was in the ring because 90% of the time when you saw him in the WWE, he was just there to be a punchline of a joke. Like you never really got to see how good he could be in the ring. Another thing I noticed, not only with Heath last night on Impact, but also with Matt Cardona when we interviewed him yesterday. And that's how great a shape EC3, Matt Cardona, you know, Heath Slater is now that they're gone from the WWE. You see, like, they've been rejuvenated physically. And listen, speaking to, to Matt Cardona yesterday, and it got it, we have the clips up on at Busted Open Radio. It's also on the SiriusXM app. Daniela did an amazing job getting that stuff up there in a timely fashion, Tommy. Is that, you know, Matt Cardona... Very positive attitude. You know, he could be like, you know what, the WWE, you know, they they could have done so much more. I got penalized by getting myself over. Instead, he's saying, hey, that was one of the steps in my career. I had so many great moments. I look back on it fondly, but now I'm on that next stage. Like, you know what, mentally, you know, Matt Cardone is in a good place. And judging from what I'm seeing from Heath Slater, physically and mentally, he must be in a good place as well. When... You, I know for me, when I lost ECW, uh, it messed with my mind, uh, got me depressed because you lose a job, but then it's, okay, where do I go from here? And what I did, like, I, I mean, I went, when I debuted in WWE, I was 235 pounds. I was the leanest I ever was, uh, but I was also training like two a days. Um, a lot of the guys and girls are taking this time to work out, to reinvest in themselves. And when, you know, it's either you're going to sit back, you're going to get depressed, you're going to sit on the couch, you're going to eat a lot of food, or I'm going to work my ass off to prove why I shouldn't have been fired or I shouldn't have been let go. But it's not to try to get your job back at WWE. It's just to prove again, like you said, like you have self-worth. And, you know, for listen, man, we had the great story with Drake Maverick. He was let go, became a great baby face for the, it was a nice story. There's, there's, there's so many different places where, you know, your, your mind can take you, but a lot of these talents, if you're going to get lost and forgotten, then just sit on that couch and just start eating potato chips. Call me up. I'll tell you what foods you should eat or reinvest in yourself, reinvest in your, you know, livelihood because, you know, looking at, you know, it's either get a real job, which is even harder now, or, hey, change your stuff up, change your look, change your body. Like you said, I even forgot EC3 was even, was technically, he's not under contract with Impact Wrestling, but here's another guy who's changed everything. He looks like a mini Kurgan and he's changed the narrative is his entire thing. And him just showing up kind of like how, you know, NWO Sting did or Early Edge did, it helps. This is a big part of what helped 
get impact notice, as well as, you know, the men and women who were laying the groundwork for that and, and interesting matchups that you possibly can see. Hey, everyone, this is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. It is now time for our main event of the morning. And who better to take that slot than somebody? And there's a lot to get into, Tommy, today. Because you have AEW Dynamite that's coming up tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on TNT. I just got finished watching the AEW Women's Tag Team Tournament. Also, there is AEW merchandise available at Walmart. I got my championship title. And I got the action figure of our next guest, the one and only... Brandy Rhodes. Brandy, how are you today? Oh, you know, Dave, I uh, I was doing all right. And and, and I'm not, I, this is just a critique, just a, a little critique, brand specific. When you started playing the music after I've been sitting on the line for, you know, three, four minutes waiting to get in, you played the dynamite theme when you could have played Either Brandy Rhodes or the Nightmare Sisters theme. Either one would have been really, really, you would have smashed it out of the park. But that's okay. That's okay. That's what critiques are about. You know, I know you can take them very well. So there's always next time. But I, other I can, than that, I, I'm, I'm okay. How are you? Today. I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, thank you for the the learning experience because we could all learn, even myself at the age of 49. And you're right. You are definitely the one half. Some would say the better half of the Nightmare Sisters. Uh, great victory, undefeated as a tag team. It's funny how you know with the whole. Uh, you know, drawing straws that you both got the same color to tag team together during this tournament. Also having, being the only woman with a action figure for AEW that's now available at Walmart and also have to get into alleliteheels.com. So Brandy, this is perfect timing by you coming on Busted Open this morning. Well, obviously it would be perfect timing by me because I know how to deal with PR and media and I know how to get things to work and to get them to sell. And, and that's why I'm in the position that I'm in today. But I, I want to pop back to something that you said just a second ago, you said, you know, it's, it's funny how Allie and I magically chose the same color to be teaming together in the championship. Well, a, a wonderful artist named Lauren Hills once said it best. It's funny how money changes situations. Mm. And yes, I did just say that because I'm honest. <laughs> I'm honest. And I obviously know a lot of people. I have a lot of pull. I'm the, the chief brand officer, the only female executive that's kind of, kind of the face of everything that's going on in AW right now. No one else has an action figure. You know why? I hear this question a lot. You know, a lot of people, Brandy, why are you the only action figure? Why are you the first action figure? First of all, look at me. Second of all, Jazzwares came to me. Wicked Cool Toys came to me because they saw the star power, the beauty, the brilliance, the brain, the brand. And that's what I am. I'm the brand. 
Uh, got no uh, no doubt on my mind. Is this your first ever action figure? First ever action figure was teased um, like like you know carrot dangling in front of Bugs Bunny for many many years about an action figure, but here we are, and she's stunning. She's so pretty, little brand brand. That's what we call her. <laughs> How you know, cool I is that her. for you? Um, like growing up me having an action figure later because i remember playing with action figures uh for you you know i don't know if you were a barbie girl but to have your own action figure uh it, it's an accomplishment but it's also something you can look back on and just be like wow like someone wanted to purchase a mini you i think it's a great honor like how does that feel to you Honestly, it, it's something that if you would have told me 10 years ago, I would have an action figure in the store. I never would have believed it. But, you know, today when I'm seeing these, these kids opening these packages and, 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 you know, parents bringing them home and, you know, giving them to the kid and the sheer joy, I'm just not surprised at all. Because if I was a kid again and I knew what I was going to be 20 years from now, I would have pre-ordered 20 years ago the action figure for me. Because that's better than any Barbie I've ever had. You know, the Barbies used to seem so promising and I would get them. And then the next thing you know, I accidentally cut their hair off and, you know, they're not as cute anymore. Lil Bran Bran is everything she promises to be. She's fully mobile, functioning. She can hold that, um, uh, uh, what is it? What, what's the name of that damn thing? That um, <laughs> Whatever. The, the, the <laughs> hammer that, that Cody also can hold. So Sledgehammer. Changeable. Sledgehammer, sorry. And I will say, I don't recommend giving her that sledgehammer because you, you know, you know, kind of the mystique of Elf on a Shelf. Mm-hmm. Little Brand Brand's a little like that. She's popping up in places and, that I did not put her, which is starting to get a little scary. So I wouldn't give her the sledgehammer because you may come home and your kitchen may be in the middle of a remodel. Mm-hmm. So be careful with that. All what right, if you so. came home and Pharaoh had little Bran Bran in his mouth chewing on it? Oh, um, Pharaoh would probably be um, looking for a new place, <laughs> um, a, a very good home, a nice home. But you know what? Let's not talk about that because Pharaoh, Pharaoh loves little Bran Bran. He's enamored <laughs> by her. He stares at her from a distance. He knows that it represents his mother, his leader, pack leader. And, um, you know, he has an undying love for me. So I, I'm, I trust Pharaoh emphatically with little brain brand. You, you know, Brandy, you wear many hats when it comes uh, to AEW. And obviously, you know, you have a degree in broadcasting and you could do so many different roles. Is there one role now, especially now that you're back in the ring that you love more above any other? Oh, well, I really like winning. So that's, you know, that, that's, that's one thing. But then I also like being recognized for my brilliance. So then that's another thing. <laughs> you know, it's hard to say. It really is. But I will tell you this much. I'm not going to stop my winning streak by any means. By any, I mean, I mean by any means. 
Okay. All right. And you are on that winning streak. You know, the Nightmare Sisters are undefeated, and you do have the, the women's tag team tournament that's going on right now on YouTube. Is make sure everyone subscribes to the AEW uh, YouTube channel. But also, I know you're on today, too, Brandy, as well, is that there is the All Elite Heels com. Can you get into that and what exactly that is so our fans could learn a little bit more about it? Okay, so let me set the stage for you all. In wrestling, no one has ever thought to put together a fan club specifically for the female fan. I mean, to me, that's not rocket science or anything, but I did it. And that's where we are with, with All Elite Heels. AEW Heels is a beautiful community that's built for women who are fans of wrestling, some women who are involved in wrestling. The AEW women's roster participates in Heels. It's just this wonderful community where women can grow together, learn together, make friends, um, connections, network. Networking is a big thing for me, so of course that's going to be a part of it. But um, it's also a way for them to learn more about this business. They are going to get exclusive merch. They're going to get to learn things before other people do. Um, We do these great Zoom events right now. The first one on the actual platform will be on Friday, uh, Friday at 7 Eastern or sorry, eight Eastern, seven central. And, um, we're all going to get on there. And we, we don't do zoom events. We do zoom parties. So it's like a big party. You dress up, you get yourself together. If you indulge in an adult libation, go for it. I pretty much almost always do as I have a drinking show, but, uh, it's just a wonderful time and a wonderful event. And, and we bring in speakers, that like to talk about various women's issues, um, self-help and care. We do Q and A's this week. We're going to do Q and A with the one woman that I will say has a, 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 like her own kind of first and brilliance in that, um, she's the only AEW women's referee and that's Aubrey Edwards, a woman I, I really respect and, 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 love for, for all of her efforts. Um, but then, you know, we're going to have a Q and a with a guest speaker. Um, and she's going to be talking about empowering women in the workplace and things that are specific towards being a, a singular female and in a male dominated workplace. Um, I'm going to talk about social media strategizing. Cause I hope you guys know I'm an Instagram influencer. I have more than 800,000 followers on Instagram, which is like more than any of the other women in AEW, which is probably why I have the only figure, but let's move on. <laughs> AEW Heels is a movement. This is something that's brand new. Uh, the news dropped at, at 11. I'm seeing many, many, many tweets and Instagram messages about people signing up and they're so happy and they're so excited. So I will say if you were a woman and you are a fan in any way, shape or form, this is going to be for you. Definitely sign up, come with us on Friday, go on this journey, have this party. And let's just all get together and love wrestling together in a safe, fun environment. I like that. Make sure you go to alleliteheels.com for all the information. Go ahead, Tommy. Uh, I just think it's, uh, you know, uh, today's show, we were talking about fan experiences and a lot of people who called in as well as a lot of, uh, especially fans on social media have all talked about how AEW captured that fan experience. And, you know, Bully Ray and myself have always equated AEW to, uh, ECW where they fans totally felt like they were a part of something 
And during these changing times, the fact that you've put together a group like this where fans can have more engagements, more times. Because I know for me growing up as a kid, um, trying to find anything with professional wrestling was hard. Now it's so, so easy, but yet to have truthful, like you said, honest and safe space to talk to wrestlers. I think that's an awesome thing that you guys are doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we test drove it before we fully dove in on heels and we had a couple of zoom events, uh, over the past couple of months. And the response to those have been absolutely just far above and beyond what I expected them to be, because I know what my experience are experiences are as a female in, in the wrestling landscape. And I know that many of them are not positive, but, uh, I, I wasn't sure how many people felt that exact same way. And as we're on this zoom call, one of the great things is, is that you can scroll through and you can see everybody that's in there with you if they allow you to. And, um, it's great as, as people are speaking, I'm scrolling and I'm just seeing women just crying, <laughs> crying because they're so happy that this has been made available to them because they for so long wanted to connect with other women and share this love. And I, I mean, if you, if you're anything like me, you know, I have a, a slew of friends. I mean, you know, I'm a socialite as well and, and a philanthropist, if you, if you didn't know that, along with the Instagram influencer. But not many people that I interact with regularly love wrestling like I do. So I don't have the outlets to, to talk to and, and, you know, communicate with and brainstorm and, and, and just have this, this availability. And so I, I gathered from this that a lot of women are in the same boat as me where they were looking to make these connections, these friendships. And now here it all is right in front of them, just at the click of a button. It's amazing. Yeah. And going back to what you just said, Tom, because, you know, the whole show today, we're talking about, you know, greatest fan experiences. And we heard a lot from AEW fans and about some of the experiences they've had in, in just a short amount of time that AEW has been part of the pro wrestling world. But here we are, Tommy. This is an example of what Brandy's talking about as far as, you know, your favorite fan experience could happen during unfortunately, these trying times with the pandemic. So, you know, being a part of this Zoom and being a part of with other fans and being able, this is something that you would never have been able to do a year ago, but here it is available right now. So maybe the next time we talk about this, Tommy, people will talk about, you know, all elite, you know, heels.com and that Zoom experience. So, so Brandy, we really appreciate as fans that you're doing something like this. David, I have to give credit when credit is due. That was a profound statement you just made. Very, very smart. So kudos to you for, for making that very perceptive statement. Appreciate it very much. And Brandy, if I could give you some experienced wrestler uh, advice, I think everyone in AEW uh, right now should hit Tony with anything that they want because with Fulham winning, AEW rocking on the ratings, he's in the he's super duper happy. This is the time where they say time and a place is everything. <laughs> you want something, you go, hey, can I get a little bump in pay? Hey, I was thinking of doing this creatively. He'll just be like, yeah, go for it. Because he's in a great mood. I love following about social media. He's the best <laughs> boss to ever have. Come on now. Good, good mood, Tony, is my favorite, Tony. <laughs> However, I will tell you, there's a reason Tony 
is as successful as he is, is he is a shrewd businessman. So he can tell you no with the biggest smile on his face and no is no. (laughs) So I absolutely respect him in that respect. But like, I I love, I love when he's in these great moods where people are like, oh, I'm going to pitch this idea. He's not in such a great mood that he's not going to fully digest that idea. So just always keep, keep that in mind because I did, you know, I did honestly, I thought about this pitch yesterday. As soon as I heard the news about Fulham, of course, come on Fulham, you know? And, and I said, you know what? After I inevitably win the uh, tag team cup tournament, which is inevitable, that's definitely going to happen. So, you know, buckle up if you're not ready uh, or get ready. It's never too late to get on the train because the train's moving. But I figured, you know, why don't I say to him, after I win that, give me a shot at Sheeta. I mean, who's she competing against, really? She's kind of run out of people to compete against. And who better than this woman who's rising from the ashes, Brandy Rhodes, AEW's only female figure and, you know, Instagram influencer. Um, but I stopped myself because I knew. I was moving maybe a little too, a, a hair too quick. And I was, I was trying to take advantage of that situation, which is something that I would never do. I don't take advantage of people in that way. I hope you both know that I would never do that. Is there a sleeper uh, talent or a sleeper team in this tournament that you actually, I know you don't have to worry about yourself, but maybe Allie may, you know, uh, let you down. Is there anyone that you think that, man, I gotta, we gotta keep an eye on them. Well, first of all, Allie better not let me down because she's technically the veteran of the team. So I would be very disappointed if she, you know, had some sort of slip up or or, or mess up. So I hope her head is truly in the game because like you saw the other night, I had to kind of pull it together. She was getting whipped uh, in a corner and, and just couldn't, couldn't get to me. But, you know, I got there. We got the job done. But I will say there is a team on the horizon calling themselves Tay J, Tay Conti and Anna J. And that right there shows me that these women are thinkers because they already created a brand for themselves, which usually at that level, people are waiting for other people to do that for them. So they show initiative. They're taking the ball. They're running with it. That means they're a little bit dangerous because let's be honest, every room that I enter I'm the smartest woman in the room. Most of the time, the smartest person, period. Anytime I start to feel like that is a little bit compromised or or, or start to feel a little anxiety, a little flutter in my heart about, oh my God, what if? That's bad news for me. So I am hoping that whoever they face in the semis, because they're not facing us, we saw the bracket, we don't know who we're facing yet. Um, I'm hoping whoever it is, they legitimately knock their heads off. So I don't have to see them again. You know what, Randy, as you're talking and you're talking about this tag team tournament, again, that you could watch this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the AEW YouTube page. Also, don't forget, we talked a lot about today for you, you fans of the AEW women's wrestling, all elite heels.com again, all elite heels.com. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with Zoom sessions and Q&As and special events. The first event taking place at 8 p.m. Eastern Time this Friday. So make sure you go to alleliteheels.com. I do, after watching AEW Dark last night, I do want to ask you about Abaddon. Your thoughts on this force that's taking over the women's division. 
Well, you know, uh, here's the reality of it, okay? I see something in Abaddon. I really do. And I have an undying love for the horror genre in general. So anything that's very creepy and irky, I, I, I like it. But I don't want anything to do with her. Like, I'd like for her to stay as far away from me as possible. I hope to God she's not in the tag tournament. I, I, we don't know. We haven't seen the rest of the, the, the draws and pulls. And so I, I honestly, I'm someone who likes horror because it absolutely scares me. And she scares me very much. I don't know what I would do. Like, you know, you, you say, what would you do if Michael Myers was, you know, standing in your, your, your backyard with, you know, the, the knife raised? What would you do? You don't know what you would do. You might panic and freeze like everyone in the movies and get chopped up. I don't know what I would do if I was standing across the ring from Abaddon. I, I might freeze or I might think quickly or hopefully someone would come help me. Um, so I just don't want that moment to happen. Sledgehammer to the face works every time. <laughs> well, if Lil Brand Brand's out there, maybe she'll take yes. care of me. Brand, brand to the throat. Old school. I like it. And, you know, Brandy, you having a, a degree in broadcasting, I hope that this has been a, a good experience for you coming here on Busted Open. You and AEW have been fantastic about, you know, spending the time here with Busted Open. But I do have to ask a favor. I've been asking this of all the AEW talent that has come on on this show, but no one with a bigger influence than you. And that is, is there any way you could help me get the band lifted from AEW? As you know, Brandy, because you're involved in everything that's AEW, I have been banned, you know, by your husband, Cody. And again, you know, Brandy, I, I have to say that for you as a businesswoman and as a professional and as a wrestler and everything that you do, you're not as emotional as your husband, Cody, is. Your, your husband is extremely emotional. Sometimes he lets his emotions get the best of him, thus the banning of me for, from AEW. Is there any way you could get that ban lifted? Well, David, you've come to the right place. And I, um, I admire that you realize that I am the proper channel to go through for something like this. Most people don't know this, but I'm kind of the key to the castle when it comes to ability to do anything in AEW, especially from a media perspective. So I can make a deal with you. Okay. If you can find three low brand brands in various Walmart locations and purchase each little brand brand. So I would like to see a picture of three little brand brands that you purchased with you in that went in the picture. So like, maybe like you're hugging them or something. That would be lovely. Um, I will personally lift your band. Whoa. So I have to get three, three little brand brands, just three. Some people are trying to get like 10. That's not that bad. All right. They're so a hot three. item right now with collectors. Just ask Matt Cardona. I, I know Scott somehow in Long Matt Island. Cardona has a little, somehow Matt Cardona has a little brand brand. He posted a picture uh, the other day of me standing outside of the ring and him and Cody 
wrestling together as I guess like a pre um, to, to their match tonight. And I got to tell you, nothing scared me more than that. And um, Very I'm weird. afraid to have him over our home right now. I think somebody's going to have to speak with him about that because I, I literally got a chill down my spine when I saw that. He'll ask um, you to sign a box. It gets awkward. Trust me. I've known the guy since day one. That's a Well, I've been in that toy me. room. And the, the, the most incredible thing I ever saw happen is, first of all, the organization is, is very erratic and unclear. And Cody touched a Greg Valentine oh my figure. God. Oh, boy. Greg fell and his arm fell off. And Matt oh said, why don't you step away from there to, <laughs> to Cody? <laughs> Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.